0: what's up everybody this is Alyssa and you're listening to the rubber match podcast this is episode eight I actually recorded episode seven earlier this week so I guess um Sunday of this week I recorded um episode seven and I uploaded it tonight which well today which was monday and i'm now currently recording episode eight tonight and episode eight should be out either tuesday or wednesday i that's basically it i don't know what else to say um when it comes like to i guess episodes episodes speaking of episodes um I mean, I don't know what else to tell you guys. I didn't know that episode six and now episode seven is not showing up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And I was kind of wondering, you know, I haven't been getting any listens. Now, like with episodes two, three, and four, I maybe got one or two starts. But like, as of recent, I just haven't gotten any traffic on the podcast. And I was like, wondering why. And now I realize that, the episode that i just recorded today and the episode that i recorded about a week and a half ago which was me talking about contenders and pretenders for each conference each power 5 conference those episodes you can't find on apple podcast or spotify and probably virtually anywhere else so we're talking google podcast i think there is this podcast platform called breaker or something like that so Basically, it is literally impossible for you to find those couple of episodes, you know. And I didn't realize it was a problem until today. And if you guys haven't listened to my previous episodes or if this is your first time listening, I switched from Spreaker to Anchor. I think before Christmas, like either Christmas Day or like a couple of days before then. So it's been a couple of weeks, only a couple of weeks. I was going to end up having to pay money to keep my podcast on Spreaker, which I absolutely was not going to do if there was a platform where I could do it for free. I knew Anchor was out there and I knew It would be a great platform to use but I wanted to be kind of as professional as possible and I was going to pay for in addition to my website which I dropped a few bucks on. I was also going to drop a few bucks on a podcasting platform for you know my podcast and I woke up and I decided I was kind of stupid so (laughs) basically I am... I guess, podcasting for free, which is good because, you know, this is a hobby of mine. This is something that I would like to turn into a business. But for right now, I really do love talking to you guys. And I genuinely love talking about college baseball. And I will always love doing that whether I'm getting paid or not. But it was way smarter for me to basically not give up any coins because... It's great to pod, to record po- episodes of a podcast and to do all of that for free. So, basically, that's what's going on right now. And because I switched over to Anchor, they told me it was going to be easy. They told me I wouldn't have to do anything. When I say they told me, they didn't physically say, okay, Alyssa, we're going to do everything for you. No, I just, I decided to switch over and I got a bunch of emails, basically. Showing me step-by-step step what to do and everything. I followed all the all of the directions. They said they were going to automatically distribute my podcast everywhere. And they did distribute my podcast everywhere. It's just that the new episodes that I recorded and that I spent hours recording, they aren't available, basically. And, I mean, you guys can check it out. I mean, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you look up The Rubber Match or if you look up The Rubber Match on Spotify. And I'm only saying those two because I haven't heard of a single person that uses Google Podcasts. I haven't heard of anybody who uses Breaker. I know that, you know, for podcasts, you're mostly listening to either Spotify or Apple Podcasts and maybe more so Spotify than Apple. But you can't find those episodes. So I feel like they were like lying to me at one point, or something like that. Like, I don't know, I hope they don't hear it. But I mean, I hardly have any listeners anyway, so they probably won't. But hopefully, I'm going to get that cleared up. I did send them an email and tell them like, hey, you know, this is what's going on with my podcast. And they told me they would get back to me within within the next day. And So hopefully on Tuesday, we can get it all straightened out and my new episodes will be up. And basically, that's all I have to say about what's going on with me and my episodes and why you just can't find any new ones. But they are uploaded and are working fine on Anchor. So if you really, 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 really cannot wait to make sure that, you know, well, if you really can't wait, to see it back on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can always download Anchor. It is a free app. You can look up The Rubber Match. I don't think you need an account. You shouldn't need an account. But, you know, I hope they'll ask you for one. I would understand if you didn't want to make an account on Anchor because you shouldn't have to. But you can go on Anchor and listen to my podcast and enjoy yourself, I guess, because... You can't listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm so sorry. Like, lo siento. You know what I'm saying? I'm so sorry. But we are going to get it cleared up. We're going to get it worked out. And that's all I have to say on that. I told you guys in a couple episodes prior um, that I was going to begin my series where I was going to recap NCAA Division I baseball tournaments that have happened in recent years. And this episode is the first one that I'm going to do. We are going to be talking about the 2016 NCAA baseball tournament. If you guys are diehard college baseball fans, you know that this is probably one of the most memorable NCAA tournament tournaments of all time because of the particular team that won this tournament. They were extreme underdogs. Nobody thought they were even going to make it past their regional, and then they're out here winning the College World Series, and it was just amazing for everybody, whether you were a fan of that team or you weren't a fan of that team, whether you were a baseball fan or you weren't a baseball fan, and you didn't care for baseball that much. I mean, this was a... College World Series that you would probably never forget, and it was just an amazing thing. It was just an amazing two weeks, and towards the end of the episode, I am going to talk a lot about college baseball and why I feel like it is more entertaining and it is more fun to watch than maybe a college football championship or, well, I wouldn't say a basketball championship. I think um, the NCAA basketball tournament and baseball I think they're kind of in the same in the realm of you can have an underdog upset a number one seed which happened in this college world series and it also happens a lot in the NCAA basketball tournament which makes them both super exciting I just don't think college baseball gets enough recognition for it but definitely um I will sit here and say that I am going to get into why college baseball is just, I feel like it's a better sport than like college football. And, you know, you guys will probably understand what I'm talking about as we get to the end of the episode. But um, I'm definitely going to talk about that. But this week on Friday, so I'm releasing three episodes. I, I'm releasing three episodes this week. So I released one. Today, I'm going to release this episode tomorrow, and I'm going to have another episode out on Friday of this week, which I guess would be the 22nd, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it would be the 22nd, if it's not the 22nd, it might be the 23rd, I am going to be talking not about the 2017 College World Series, so I was supposed to do 2016, and then... Well, I was supposed to release 20, Lord, I'm done, okay, I'm so sorry. I was supposed to release the 2016 one last Friday, and I was supposed to release another one, like, before that, I believe, and I just, I didn't get it, no, I was supposed to release the episode six on... I'm pretty, I don't know when I was supposed to, I don't know when I'm supposed to release episodes because I'm inconsistent like that, but basically, I'm going to have three episodes coming out this week, and I already talked about the All-Americans, which is the one that's posted, that I posted today, we're going to be talking about the 2016 NCAA Baseball Tournament, and then on Friday, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I think we're going to talk about people getting deals, but I think it'll be a relatively short podcast episode because I really don't want to talk about the 2017 and one I don't want to talk about the 2017 NCAA baseball tournament because those freaking Gators got their slimy scaly reptile ugly fugly fingers on that fucking trophy and I have a friend that is a Florida baseball fan I I haven't been able to live it down. He won't let me live it down. I can say anything about FSU and he'll be like, Well you know. This Negro will be like, Well you know the Gators won. The Gators won the championship. Be like, fuck you. Okay, fine. Best, okay, they won a freaking college world series. You know what? FSU's gonna win one one way or another, okay? I'm sick and tired of this dusty ass talking about, hmm. Well UF won one. Like, I'm over it. When they won one before Florida State, I'm like, oh, like, I can't, you know? I would commit first-degree murder, but I care about my freedom and my life too much. And, frankly, this friend is not worth me ending his life. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I just, and for legal reasons, that was a joke. But, um... I'm just oh I hate it so I'm not gonna talk about it I'm not gonna talk about it but I'm not gonna talk about it and go into depth like I would for this one like I am for this one and that I'll do for 2018 and I'll do for 2019 that's gonna come out in the next couple of weeks but I guess what I'm trying to say is that I will touch on it lightly As for my website I am going to be providing weekly updates on my website. I told myself I was going to do that and I did not so I'm going to post an update probably on Tuesday. My rankings for the top 10 hottest guys of each division should be coming out. I think what I'm going to do is every couple of days I'm going to put one out. I was going to do one like every week but I just feel like it would be kind of stupid to do that. It's not like it's a bad idea. I just feel like People who would really care about it, they are probably going to, like, want to see it, like, every day. Like, I should do back-to-back-to-back-to-back, so that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm really excited about it, too, because I love men, I love baseball boys, I love MLB players, and I absolutely adore them with all of my heart. So, this list is going to be really fun to make. I'm really excited for it. And I will probably do a TikTok. I think I'm going to start doing TikToks. I'm going to start being active on TikTok more because I realize that like in order to promote my podcast, I really need to like get out to more social media platforms. I need to learn how to grow my Instagram. I need to learn how to grow Twitter. I need to learn how to grow all these social media platforms so that I can Reach a larger audience. I think my audience is going to be people of all age ranges. So I think I should try to promote my content like that. And it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of research, but I'm ready to do that. And one of those places I'm going to go to get my younger audience is definitely going to be TikTok. And we'll see how that works. So follow me on TikTok at The Rubber Match. There are no periods in between them like they are on my twitter it's just the rubber match and it's all lowercase so if you want to check that out check that out i actually got like 96 likes on a tiktok my first tiktok i got 96 likes i almost got 100 so i'm kind of feeling myself with that and also i'm feeling myself because i got a grand total of two views on my tiktok two I got the grand total of two views on my TikTok that I posted on Saturday um I'm dead ass I'm going to re-upload it (laughs) tomorrow probably delete it and re-upload it because maybe I posted it at a really bad time I don't know but we'll see anyway that's just updates I know a couple people got signed today I was talking about Lindor and I was talking about LeMayhew and that news was like a couple of days old and I was talking about that on episode 7 where I was talking about um, All-Americans and players to watch out for in 2021, which is this year obviously, but I mean, I think I, for, I, I don't even remember the guy's name, but a pitcher got traded to the Padres, so not only do they have my baby Blake Snell, they took Blake Snell away from me. They also have Yu Darvish from the Cubs, and, oh my god, they took away somebody from, not the Rangers, I don't know who they took, maybe the Reds, I forgot which team they traded, you don't know how, how I am about the MLB and stuff like that, like, I am very, like, not in the loop at all. Not in the loop, but I guess what we have to know is that JT Romito still has not signed with the team, but he'll probably be signing with the Phillies, and he'll probably be like DJ LeMayhew and sign a lower contract, you know. That's probably what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with Justin Turner. We also don't know if they're going to keep Nolan Dolan, Nolan Arenado, if the Rockies are going to keep Nolan Arenado nolan dolan i like to call him nolan dolan (laughs) we don't know if he's gonna stay with the rockies or if he's gonna get traded this offseason we'll see and then obviously the question is why the frick did mob network get rid of chris rose on intentional talk but other than that there's nothing for me, I guess, to discuss and talk about in terms of the MLB. I'm still very salty about that. The Chris Rose thing, still very salty. But anyway, it's not a big deal. He, he seems to be enjoying himself watching BattleBots, which is something that I kind of like too. It's very interesting. And he kind of made me like remember it because he posted it on his story like the biggest battle ever. I think it's kind of cool really because if you're a baseball fan and you only like baseball and you don't like anything else i'm going to consider you you to be a very bland vanilla person and i like vanilla ice cream a lot however you have to have a flavor you know i like a little whipped cream on my vanilla too so as in addition to being a baseball fan i also like watching march madness if you don't like watching march madness there is something wrong with you My friend is a Duke basketball fan. I am an FSU basketball fan, and we be going at it. We be having arguments. Sometimes we don't go speak. We don't speak for weeks, okay? I don't play about my college basketball. I do not play about college basketball, okay? And she don't play either. I don't think she plays more than me because she actually plays basketball. But I like college basketball, I have not been watching football this year. I just don't care for it. Football is boring, especially college football, which I am going to talk about at the end of this episode. It's mad boring. Um, So is the NFL. I just feel like we already know who's going to win the Super Bowl. Well, ooh, let me not say that because that Chiefs and Buccaneers game is going to be pretty freaking tight, but I'm trying to, and then it's like the Packers and I can't remember. I think it's the Packers and the Bills, which I guess that, that's going to be a good one, too. Um, I just say maybe if a cute boy convinces convinces me to, like, watch the game with him, I might. But other than that, I'm probably going to stick to my reality TV shows, like. I'm not going to tell you all what I watch on TV. So, basically, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I guess a lot of people avoided arbitration, and they're paying all these people tens of millions of dollars, and maybe... Or maybe not, I might be jealous of the fact that people like Cody Bellinger, they're getting like eleven million a year. And I well actually you know what? I'm not even gonna cap. I actually earned three hundred dollars at my job. Yes, I got paid. A bitch got paid, okay? And I was working. I was working like a horse and I got my grand total of three hundred dollars. So basically all I'm saying is that I am rich, and I'm richer than Cody Bellinger, so 300 I think $300 is more than $11 million. It is. So I'm mad rich. I got mad money, and at least I got all of mine at one time. See, this man will probably still be getting paid when he's like 80, but it won't be $11 million. All right, I got my 300 now. He probably got a portion of his. Okay. Anywho, anywhere, any why. Probably used it to buy weed. Okay, let me stop. 2016 NCAA baseball tournament. I talked for 20 minutes. I did not mean to babble on for 20 minutes, but I did. And now we are going to talk about the 2016 ncaa baseball tournament one that i never watched because if you guys listened to the first episode which that's the episode the most people listen to and i kind of fell off after that it's like having a hit single and then like you're still producing good music but nobody's listening to you anymore okay but anyway anywho anywhy anyhow I started watching college baseball in 2017. Yeah, very convenient fucking year. First year I watched college baseball and then the Gators win the fucking championship. But you know what? It motivated me to hate the Gators in the 2018 college baseball season. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about on um, the 2016 College World Series. I was debating on whether I should say who won the College World Series this year or not. But I mean, I think I'm just going to go ahead and tell you guys because... You guys can easily look it up on the internet while I'm, like, talking about it and I haven't told you yet, and then you're going to spoil it for yourself, and then you're going to stop watching. So, <laughs> I mean, listening, because you can't see my face. Like, John Cena, you can't see me. But anyway, um, the winners of the 2016 College World Series were the Coastal Carolina Ch- Chant Clears. Clears. Hold on. I'm going to learn how to pronounce it. <laughs> Chanticleer, 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 Chanticleer. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers won the 2016 College World Series. Now, it's a good thing to note, and the reason why this championship was so crazy and monumental, so let's say like Alabama won the championship in baseball. Let's say a team like USC won the championship in baseball. A team like Texas won the championship in baseball. While... That is memorable, and that is great. I think you guys can all agree that their baseball, baseball championship probably would not measure to their football championships, but the glory of the 2016 College World Series and Coastal Carolina, their baseball program, is that their baseball program brought home the school's first championship period. You know, Coastal brought it home. Not the Tar Heels. I was about to say the freaking Tar Heels. Why I said the Tar Heels. The Chanticleers brought Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers baseball team brought Coastal Carolina their first championship in a team sport ever. And that is why it is still talked about to this day. Five years, it will be talked about. 10 years down the line, where these guys are in their early 30s and they're probably settling down and having families, and they're telling their wives and their kids, Hey, I was on that championship team. You know, they definitely bring out one of the most memorable moments in NCAA tournament history. You know, you have the dude that was beating his chest, you know, after. He went and stole a bag and he was just it was it was a great steal i mean he he did great he had a great lead lead and you know it, i mean it was great um, we can talk about that um just a little bit later but basically coastal carolina is goaded they're one of the best mid-major college baseball programs right now and they will be remembered as one of the greatest college baseball teams of all time and one of the greatest college baseball championships of all time. They are goaded, they are amazing. I have the utmost respect for them. They, they're a great team, very talented and a great team. And I, that's all I can say about it. That's all I can say about Coastal, honestly, right now. So, for you guys that don't know how the NCAA Division I Baseball Tournament works, you have 64 teams. You have, I believe, 32 teams that get an automatic bid. Oh my God, the fact that I'm saying, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's 32 teams that get an automatic bid. And the way you get an automatic bid is if you win your conference and the other 32 teams are picked at large. They're picked by the committee at large and that amounts to 64 teams. I'm gonna talk about college tournaments for a second. College baseball conference tournaments. I hate them. Now I hate them. And at the beginning of me watching college baseball in probably 2018, I regarded college baseball conference tournaments as the epitome of the year. They were the epitome of the season and my 14 year old self believed that if a team wins their conference tournament, they were the best team in the conference, and that could not be further from the truth. I, I was very naive in my thinking because Florida State ended up winning the ACC. No, <sighs> they ended up winning the ACC tournament in 2018. They they won in a very dramatic fashion because we all know the Seminoles like to bring the drama. They like to act like they. Sp- are little shit, and then like they turn around in the postseason, and they're like, "Oh my god, I'm here," you know what I'm saying? And basically, as you guys know, Florida State did not win the College World Series in 2018. They ended up losing in their own freaking regional that same year, literally a week after they had won the ACC. baseball tournament so they clearly were not the best team in the ACC but my 14 year old self believed that same thing with Ole Miss Ole Miss won the SEC tournament in 2018 as well and they ended up losing in their own regional they were not the best team in the SEC obviously Arkansas was the best team in the eight in the SEC so when it comes to power five conferences a conference tournament is merely a game that should literally have no weight for a team getting to go to the ncaa tournament or not or getting an automatic bid i think conference tournaments are for the most part pointless if you're trying to judge how good or bad a team is a lot of people have said this and Part of a conference tournament and winning it is basically getting hot at the right time. You could be 20 and 10 like a lot of these teams and not win your conference tournament. And it's not because you're not a good team, it's just your bats went silent or maybe your arms just weren't as ready, you know what I'm saying, to go and you end up going to and out or you have a bye week and somebody ends up kicking you out of your own tournament. And that is something that most certainly happens. And in my opinion, I just don't think conference tournaments and Power Five conferences matter. And the same thing goes for mid-major conferences. I just do not believe that conference tournaments matter. Do I think they should be played? Yeah, college baseball, college um, tournaments are fun. You know, they're fun to watch. They're entertaining. And especially, you know, the SEC plays their conference tournament a lot of, well, they used to play it at Mississippi State's field. Now they play it in Hoover, Alabama. And you have a lot of fans coming out there and they just love college baseball and it's cool and it's fun. You know what I'm saying? And then in the ACC, they actually play the ACC tournament in Durham, North Carolina. And I believe they play it in the Durham Bulls minor league stadium, which I think is also pretty freaking awesome. You know what I'm saying? So basically. What I'm trying to say is that they are fun, but they shouldn't be used to assess how good or bad a college baseball team is. And the same thing goes for mid-major conferences because a lot of the times with when you have these mid-major conferences, you have to win your conference tournament. It, it doesn't matter if you led the conference basically for the entire year if you go out and you lose your conference tournament and somebody else wins the conference tournament that one is the one that's going to the tournament the ncaa tournament and i think that has got to be the dumbest thing i think it's completely pointless and it's stupid and i think conference tournaments all in all are just pretty pointless and they shouldn't be used to assess how good or bad a team is and we're gonna get into that. We are most definitely, we're getting into that right now, obviously, but I'm gonna talk about some tournament snubs and a lot of the snubs, well, 100% of the snubs that you're going to hear from me are from teams that won the regular season, but they didn't win their conference tournament, therefore they could not go to the NCAA tournament, which is completely, I feel mad pity for them. It's, it's upsetting for me, most definitely. And also to note, the Pac-12 is, uh, I th- they're either going to start playing in a conference tournament either in 2021 or 2022, but I think the Pac-12 is a great, when I tell you they, they are a great example of why you really don't need a conference tournament to have an, whether like you have an automatic bid or not. I mean, because if you want my opinion, a lot of the teams like, well, I say a lot of the teams. You have a couple of teams like Stanford, like Oregon State, like UCLA, like Arizona and Arizona State that can most certainly compete with these Big 12 and ACC and SEC schools. They have the talent and the prowess to do that. And they don't necessarily have to play in a conference game, a conference tournament to display how good they are. They usually send their best teams and they end up going really far in the tournament and basically they have just been able to do what they know how to do and they really don't need to have a conference tournament but they are gonna have one, which is cool and which is fun because we know the Pac-12 tournament is gonna be pretty lit but they really don't need it and They know they don't need it, and they're just chilling, I guess, where they are right now. I don't know what else to tell you, but yeah, they are a great example as to why you really don't need a conference tournament, and they're a really good example. So, tournament snubs. In the Atlantic Sun Conference, you have the University of North Florida, which is either in, no, I know where it is. It's in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida, about a couple hours away. They were second in the ASIN conference. They had a 39-19 record, um, super close to 40 wins. A lot of the times these teams don't get in because of their conference schedule or like their overall schedule. It's just weaker. Than other teams. They'll bring in a, an SEC team that has probably a worse record than them, which there were a couple, or ACC teams, or Big Ten or Big 12 teams, or Pac 12 teams that may have had a worse record than them, but because those Power Five conferences play tougher teams, that's probably the reason why, you know, teams like the University of North Florida just wasn't allowed to go to the tournament. Then in the Big East, you have the University of Creighton, and an, another side note: Creighton University or the University of Creighton—I think it's Creighton University—they have by far some of the hottest guys on their team. It's ridiculous. They, none of those people—they don't have to be fine, but I feel like being attractive is a requirement to be on that team. But in 2016. Creighton went thirty eight and seventeen. They were second in the Big East Conference, and they didn't win their conference tournament, and they weren't allowed to go. Same thing like University of North Florida. For me, it's just it's not fair. In the Conference USA, you had Marshall. They were second, second in CUSA, which is Conference USA. Oh my lord! it's not CSUA. It's CUSA. They went thirty four and twenty one overall. Now, I believe teams like Marshall, they play pretty good teams, so it was more the fact that they probably didn't win their tournament, which obviously they didn't, because if they did, they probably would have gotten in, and the Mid-American Conference, you had Kent State, they were first in the Mid-American Conference, they had a 44-14 and record now. I would love for somebody to take a great guess as to why they were not invited to the NCAA Tournament. Oh, I know they didn't win the stupid conference tournament, which I'm telling you is dumb, it's stupid and you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to win that. So then in the Mountain West Conference, you have Nevada. They were 3rd in the conference. They were they went 39 and 23 overall and they didn't win their conference tournament, therefore they didn't go. Same thing with the with the Southern Conference, Mercer. Now, this one is the one that rubs me the wrong way the most. If not Kent State, most definitely Mercer, and if you guys listen to 11.7, you guys will know that um, the host of 11.7, Ben Upton, actually attended the University of Mercer. Kyle Lewis, which who won the Golden Spikes Award a few years back, and he also won Rookie of the Year for the AL, Rookie of the Year for the Mariners. This man also went to Mercer, and they happened to be roommates, and... Mercer, basically, they were first in the Southern Conference. They went 38-23 and on the year, and because they did not win the Southern Conference tournament, they were not invited to the NCAA tournament. Now, out of all those teams, I think Mercer probably would have been one to do some damage. And, I mean, there was a team like Southeastern Louisiana, and I was like, um... Okay, you're going to put Southeastern Louisiana in there, but you're not going to put Mercer. I can't remember the stats for Southeastern Louisiana. And, I, and they were in the tournament, obviously, because that's last one I'm talking about them right now. But, like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't better than Mercer. If it, w- if it wasn't better, it was probably around the same. But, anyway, that's it for the tournament snubs. I didn't know that that would only take me 10 minutes, but it did. So, now we are going to try to breeze through these regional seeds for not a long time because a lot of these teams did not make it to Omaha but the people in their regionals did and I really want to highlight Omaha the most so I'm going to breeze through these regionals and I'm gonna breeze through the super regionals and then we're gonna get into Omaha because that's where I did the bulk of my research and that's what took basically most of my time and I'm really excited to talk about Omaha because that is like literally my favorite thing in the world. So the number one seed for the 2016 NCAA tournament was the University of Florida. They were the best team in the country at the time, they held the number one spot for most of the season. They were 52 and 16 on the year they went 19 and 10. And their conference was just very impressive for an SEC team. They ranked second in the SEC East behind South Carolina. And if you guys know South Carolina won back to back College World Series in 2010 and 2011. And the thing with the University of Florida is University of Florida has been up until this point has been on the cusp of greatness and they just haven't been able to capitalize off of it. Kevin O'Sullivan has really tr- had really turned the program around at this time and they were really becoming one of the premier baseball programs in the country, but they were just missing that one thing and that was a championship. And in 2016, people were like Florida is going to win the College World Series. Like this is their year to do it. And they really had a lot of pressure on them to do it. They were placed in the regional with Bethune-Cookman, UConn, and Georgia Tech. Bethune-Cookman is a Miac school. I don't know where I don't know what conference UConn is in. I can't think of it right now. And then Georgia Tech is in the ACC. And they ended up sweeping that regional, and they went on to face FSU, their rival, in a super regional. And I think that is the last, why well, I say I think I know it is the last time that the Gators and the Seminoles met in a playoff game or in the postseason. I mean the postseason. So the second seed were the Louisville Cardinals. And this is also another perennial team. You had Dan, you have Dan McDonald, who was the head coach and still is a head coach now. He also really turned Louisville around into being one of the top teams in the ACC and they contend with you know the University of Virginia you know what I'm saying so this is a really and they contend with FSU so this is a really good um program as well they went 50 and 14 they went 22 and 8 in their conference they were ranked first in the ACC Atlantic Division Because like the SEC, the ACC is split as well. It's Atlantic and Coastal, and they won the Atlantic division in the ACC. They were ranked in the top 10 for most of the season. They hosted a regional and competed against Western Michigan, Wright State, and Ohio State. Now, Wright State is a school that's come up as of recent. They are a budding mid-major team, and they're kind of getting into that Epsilon or something, Echelon. Uh, where they are becoming a real, a real perennial team, Western Michigan and Ohio State. um, I know Ohio State was either in FSU's regional in 2018, or they were in another regional in 2018. But that's, you know, Kyler Murray, if you guys know who that is, he played. No, never mind. It's Oklahoma. I'm so sorry. I have no idea. I'm sorry. The number three seed is University of Miami. no surprise. here Miami has been one of the top college baseball teams for the past 40, 50 years now. Uh, they have they don't have Ron Fraser because Ron Fraser unfortunately is dead. Rest in peace. However, um, they are still a great school. They went 50 and 14, same record as um, Louisville. But they had a 21-9 and record, which was slightly lower than um, the University of Louisville's. They won first place in the Coastal Division. So Louisville and Miami took the top spots for each division in the ACC. They were ranked in the top five for the duration of the regular season. And they hosted a regional and competed against Stetson, Long Beach State, and Florida Atlantic. So... Stetson and Florida Atlantic, you guys know. I mean, there are schools in Florida. And then Long Beach State, um, it just came out of left field. I actually, I feel like instead of talking about the 2017 College World Series, I'm going to be talking about how the, the NCAA, like, chooses teams. Like, that's going to be part of why I talk about, too. It's just going to be a miscellaneous episode. So, I'm going to remember to talk about that, most definitely. So, the number four seed was... Texas A&M they went 49 and 16 they went 20 and 10 they were ranked second in the SEC West behind Mississippi State I'm telling you right now like the SEC is a tough freaking conference you can have a great great teams like the University of Florida and Texas A&M and they won't even win their division like it, it is a it's knife cutthroat it's it's crazy and it's it's great. You know, it's SEC baseball. They were ranked in the top five for most of the season. They hosted a regional and competed against Binghampton, Wake Forest, and University of Minnesota. So that's pretty cool. They swept that regional and went on to face TCU in a Super Regional. <coughs> I literally forgot to say what happened with the University of Miami and the University of Louisville. So... University of Louisville swept their regional and they went on to face UC Santa Barbara in a super regional. And then the University of Miami swept that regional and they went on to face Boston College in a super regional. When I read that Boston College had made it to a super regional, I had to recollect my thoughts because I was like, there's no way in hell the fucking Eagles made it to a super regional. But they did. And now that I know that they made it to a Super Regional about five years ago. I can understand why teams are, I mean, I can understand why college baseball is gassing this team up, like they won the College World Series back in 2016 when we all know that they've literally been ass at this point. But anyway, moving on, the number five seed, in the twenty sixteen NCAA division one baseball tournament was the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They are like the University of Florida. They are like the University of Louisville. Texas Tech is one of those is one of those newcomers into the elite powerhouse that is college baseball. They have been really good as of recent. Tim Tadlock has really done great things for this program. This is not the last time that Texas yeah, that Texas Tech goes to the College World Series and ends up being a top eight seed in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they are going to continue to be this dominant even after 2016. For the 2016 regular season or whatever, they go 47 and 19. They go 19 and five in their conference, which is the Big 12. I will most definitely say that around this time, It was the SEC Conference, then it was the ACC, then it was the Big 12, and the Pac-12 virtually tied. So they were first in their conference. They joined the rankings in week six, and they gradually made it to the top 10 by the end of the season. They hosted a regional and competed against Fairfield, New Mexico, and Dallas Baptist. They beat Fairfield and New Mexico before dropping a game to Dallas Baptist. They won a winner take all game, and they went on to face East Carolina in a super regional. East Carolina is another powerful mid major team. The number six seed in the NCAA tournament for twenty sixteen was Mississippi State. They went forty one and eighteen. They went twenty one and nine in the SEC. They finished first in the SEC West in front of Texas A and M, and this team. It wasn't like Florida where they were ranked number one for most of the season. Mississippi State really, I wouldn't say struggled because they were still one of the best teams in the country, but I think in terms of how good they could be, they really weren't playing to their potential until the mid to late, kind of the end of the season. And I the season, and I think the reason why Mississippi State ended up earning a top eight seed is because they're Mississippi State and the history surrounding the program is just too great and you see they finished 44 and 18 so it was just kind of putting two and two together like we know you can do this and they just decided to put them at number six they dropped out of the rankings the first week because they were ranked in the preseason then they dropped out of the rankings they broke into the top 10 by week four and they held the top spot during week 14 so they ended up you know really climbing up those rankings and they got to where they wanted to be they hosted a regional and competed against southeast missouri state louisiana tech and cal state fullerton another team where it's like oh my god they're all there cal state fullerton is in california and they had to fly or drive all the way to a swampy southern confederate mississippi Sorry, <laughs> I feel bad. They swept that regional and they went on to face Arizona in a super regional. The number seven seed in the tournament was the Clemson, which I, y'all, I can really talk about Clemson. The Clemson, Lord, we're going to talk about that in episode nine as well, because this is episode eight. I don't know what I said before, but this is episode eight. We are going to talk about how trash Clemson is I y'all they're trash they're they're trash literal trash. This is not your early 2000s Clemson where you literally had Tim Corbin and Eric Bakich literally coaching the same team. This is not the same team uh they finished forty four and twenty like they looked it looked cute enough they finished. Six and fourteen in the ACC. They finished fourth in the Atlantic Division. That's the other thing that just throws me the fuck off because the S- the ACC is nowhere near the SEC. Like, had Clemson been in the SEC and they went sixteen and fourteen and finished fourth in the Atlantic Division, I would consider giving them a top eight spot. But at the end of the day, those fuckers didn't deserve it. But I'll tell you why they deserved it later. They had a worse conference record than FSU and Louisville. But they had a better overall record. And I know how they had a better overall record. Because I know these fucking Tigers played some baby cake teams. But we're going to leave that for another discussion. Okay. Yeah, I know FSU plays some baby cake teams too. But like we kind of get it together by the end of the season. Okay. And I know Clemson did not. And the reason why these fuckers gave Clemson... These fuckers gave these fuckers the opportunity to host a regional seat, which they, I'm telling you, they do not deserve, because I'll tell you why they don't deserve it later. They won the ACC tournament. And this is one of the things where I'm like, that winning the ACC tournament should not determine anything in terms of whether a team should host a regional or whether they should get into the tournament in general, because I'm telling you, like, the ACC tournament is all about who gets hot at the right time. Now, was Clemson the best team in the ACC? Hell nah. FSU was a better team than the ACC. Um, Virginia was a better team. Louisville was a better team. But they won the ACC tournament, so you had these Baseball people like, oh my god, Clemson Tigers. Oh, they won the ACC tournament, so we should give them a top eight national seed. And I want y'all to under, I y'all, I can't wait because I'm getting chills. You know, talking about what's gonna happen literally right after they get this ranking. So this team had a roller coaster ride, and that's why they suck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, they had a roller coaster ride. Um, Throughout the rankings throughout the entire season and the reason I talk about the rankings is because I'm a huge critic and I'm a huge lover of college baseball rankings as well. And I mean, I feel like the rankings matter for me the rankings matter. So they didn't crack the top 25 for anybody until like week three, they bounced in and out of the top 20 throughout the season. And after winning the ACC tournament, they jumped from 23 to 11. Now, how freaking stupid does that sound? You know, you have a team that has really been lost in the sauce, basically, in the top 25, and they get a top eight national seed. Like, it's freaking stupid. So, they end up hosting a regional, and they compete against Western Carolina, Nebraska, and Oklahoma State. Now, I'm just going to sit up here, and I'm going to tell you guys this is not the last time an, an eight, a mediocre ACC team gets a top eight national seed. I mean, they did it in 2019 with Georgia Tech. They did it in 2018 with Florida State, and they did it in 2016 with Clemson. Now, I don't know how they did it in 2017, and I don't care to know because 2017 will be completely erased from my, from my mind as a college baseball fan and an FSU baseball fan at that. They won the first game against Western Carolina, the Clemson Tigers. And in the regional, they won the first game. The, oh, shoot. I didn't even tell y'all. Hosted a regional and they competed against Western Carolina, Nebraska, and Oklahoma State. So they won the first game against Western Carolina. Then they lost to Oklahoma State. Then they won a regional game. I uh, know they won an elimination game against Western Carolina. And then they lost again to Oklahoma State. Exactly like a lot of people predicted those fuckers would do. And guess what they said? oh, you guys are haters. You know Clemson's a good baseball team? Yeah, Clemson baseball, my fucking ass. Now, I think the orange and purple is very cute, jersey-wise, but other than that, ugh, I can't. I can't stand. I'm going to tell you, I can't stand some of these ACC teams. I can't stand NC State. I can't stand North Carolina. I can't stand Clemson. I can't stand Louisville. I can't stand those four teams, and... I mean, the Tigers choked when it mattered the most, like we always knew they would, and they always choked. You know why? Because they did not deserve to be, they did not deserve to be a top eight national seed in the NCAA tournament. They didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. And this is a reoccurrence for the Tigers. I want y'all to understand that this team has not been to Omaha. Since I think 2010 or 2011, they've been given regionals. They've been placed in regionals with teams, and they haven't even made it out of the regionals. They made it out of the regional maybe once or twice throughout the entire decade. They've been overwhelming, overwhelmingly disappointed. I mean, we should have known that when they choked in the playoffs and stuff in the early 2000s that they just they weren't gonna win a College World Series anytime soon. I had this well, this dude posted on the story, you know. Or it was an Instagram post detailing um, where Clemson baseball finished over the past decade. And I'm looking at it like that is nothing to be proud of. A lot of the times, Clemson had one of the best records in the ACC, if not the country. And you guys are praising the fact that y'all choked and y'all didn't even make it out of your regional over half the time. Or make it out of a regional in general. Like, congratulations. Congratulations. It's just very embarrassing, very embarrassing. I spent too much time. I spent too much time on Clemson, but Louisiana State University, easily also one of the hottest teams in college baseball. You have the Tigers going 45-21, and 19-11. If you guys know, for the past 15 to 20 years up until this point, LSU's been that bitch basically in college baseball. They were the earliest of the newcomers because, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you had Oklahoma State, you had Florida State, you had Mississippi State, you had Arizona, Arizona State, USC, Mississippi State, you know, these new emerging teams like Vanderbilt and Florida and Virginia and Louisville and Texas Tech and, you know, they weren't great back in the day when I say back in the day I mean like in the 80s and LSU is one of the first teams that really kind of emerges as a perennial power and one that can really rival their SEC counterparts and they do a very good job of rivaling them most definitely and this is you know LSU they've won six national championships in like 15 years up until this point if not six I think maybe four or five But the last time they won was back in 2009, and they've been great ever since. They finished third in the SEC West. They ranked number five in the preseason poll. Then they moved in and around the top 15. They eventually finished sixth at the end of the regular season in the rankings. They hosted a regional and competed against Utah Valley, Southeastern Louisiana, and Rice. They beat Utah Valley and Rice, and in the regional final, lost to Rice, and then won a very close winner-take-all game to advance to the Super Regional to face the Coastal Carolina. Other regional hosts, um, I'm not going to go into depth about rankings and all that stuff because that honestly doesn't matter. FSU sweeps their regional, and they go on to face the University of Florida in the Super Regional. Um, NC State is also one of those fucking teams like Clemson. They get gassed up and they they end up choking in the postseason. So the NC State Wolfpack, such a stupid ass fucking name too. They lost in their own regional against Coastal Carolina in the winner take all. And that's the team that eventually goes on to face LSU. TCU goes on to face Texas A&M in a super regional um, the University of Virginia lost in their own regional to William and Mary. And if you guys know, Virginia literally won the national championship a year prior. So that was kind of embarrassing, the fact that they lost to their own regional, especially against a school like William and fucking Mary. Um, that's a bitch-ass school. I'm surprised that they lost. Anyway, <laughs> Ole Miss... Lost in their own regional to Tulane. And Ole Miss is, I realize this now, Ole Miss is, he has a habit of choking in regionals in <clears throat> 2018. <clears throat> and then you have Louisiana Lafayette. Now, I, y'all. Now, I don't want to be a hater, and I do feel like mid-major teams deserve to host. Like, if you're a team like ECU or a team like UC Santa Barbara, like, I understand you wanted to host. But Louisiana Lafayette, like, I don't know who, who donated a shit ton of money to, um, one of these chairpersons of the NCAA baseball committee, but Louisiana Lafayette, like, that's the first time I've heard of this school ever, period, um, there is no reason they should have given this team a regional, they lost twice in the regional final to Arizona, so they did make it pretty far in their own regional, they just didn't fucking win it, you know why? Because it's Arizona, and they've been there before, Arizona has four natties, baby, they just won the championship four years ago. This is a perennial Pac twelve team, and you thought Louisiana Lafayette was just going to beat them to advance to a super? Bye. Okay? That's all the bitch gotta say. The ridiculous. Ridiculous. Vanderbilt. This team. I can't I don't even I have no words. I have, I have, I mean, Tim Corbin. This one right here, this is, I am embarrassed. This should be one where it's like, I am super embarrassed for everybody involved. Um, The University of Vanderbilt, the Commodores, won the Natty about two years ago. Well, they won it two years ago. I think I said Arizona won the championship two years ago, but I meant to say four. I have short-term memory loss. But anyway, these fuckers... In the opening game of the regional, and we know they're a number one seed, and we know Xavier is a number four seed because the number one and four and two and three play each other. So these fuckers lost 15-1 to against Xavier. Now, if it was Vanderbilt basketball versus Xavier basketball, okay, I can understand Vandy getting their ass whooped. But this is baseball. And Xavier clapped their cheeks in baseball. Very embarrassing. And then they lost a close game heartbreaker to the University of freaking Washington, the Washington Huskies. Very embarrassing. South Carolina won their regional and they went on to face Oklahoma State in a Super. So that is all the regional seeds and it is time to talk about the Supers. Starting off our Super Regionals, we have the Gainesville Super Regional between the University of Florida and the Florida State Seminoles. If you guys know, that is a rival across all sports. Uh, We go at it in football, we go at it in basketball, we go at it in baseball. I think we go at it more in baseball more so than we do in basketball, but definitely not more than football. When I tell you these teams fight, they fight. I remember back when James Winston was playing baseball um, for Florida State as well as football, he started an altercation with a a Gator person that was, you know, on UF's baseball team. So when I tell y'all, you know, this team fights, they fight, (laughs) you know, Florida has really given FSU a run for their money in terms of who is the best team in Florida Um, and to be honest, Miami has really held that, um, number one spot for a long time. But I think as of late, I think Florida has surpassed FSU and also Miami in terms of being the best school in Florida. They by far get the best recruits in the country and they most certainly get the best recruits out of the state of Florida. Um, Miami is making, um, a little bit of a comeback. It's not like they were like completely trashed, but, They are making a bit of a comeback, so that's a good thing as well. But basically, UF and FSU, this is the last postseason series and game that they've played up until now. It was back in 2016, and after 2016, FSU had not won a game against the Florida Gators for about three years, three or four years, until 2020 when they won the last game that FSU and The University of Florida played. So FSU shuts out the Gators in game one, three to nothing, but the Gators come back to win the next two games, returning the favor and shutting out FSU five to zero and seven to zero. This is just FSU doing what they usually do. They look to really prove to be a force and then they kind of run out of gas and they kind of let go of themselves towards the end. And then the end of the season comes and they're like, oh, that happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, they ended they come down, down to their last rope, and I just feel like they don't have a will to play anymore, and I think that's why they probably have not won a national championship ever. But moving on to the second Super Regional series, the Baton Rouge Super Regional between LSU and Coastal Carolina, this is one of the more memorable Super Regionals of all time and one of the most memorable moments in college baseball history. It's mad iconic. So... Coastal Carolina wins game one of the Super Regional. And then in game two, no, yeah, they win game one 11-8. And then in game two, in the bottom of the ninth, Paez hits a walk-off double to score marks. This is, if you're picturing it right now, if you guys are, you know, have ever watched it, it's all over youtube if you look it up you'll be able to find it you go coastal carolina versus lsu super regional 2016 you'll be able to find it so the reason paez was able to score no the the reason Marks was able to score in the first place was because marx which is the last name of the dude marx is not his first name but he was really bold he got a really great lead and he had enough faith and confidence in himself like I am going to steal second. And he goes and he steals second. All the Coastal baseball fans are hyped up. The LSU baseball fans, they are nervous and the players are nervous because now you got Marks in scoring position and a hit could win the game. And guess what happens? Payas comes up clutch, he hits a walk-off double. Marks scores from second and Coastal ends up winning Game two of Super Regional and they sweep LSU and they end up going to the College World Series. That is not the last time LSU gets sweeped in their own Super Regional because in 2019, <laughs> FSU did the damn thing, all right, point blank, period. In game three, Super Regional, the third Super Regional, you have Texas A&M and TCU. TCU handily defeats the Aggies 8-2. to Texas A&M comes back and returns the favor seven to one. And then in a decisive game three, TCU beats Texas A&M four to one, and TCU ends up going to the College World Series. In the Lubbock Super Regional, Texas Tech and East Carolina play it out. The Red Raiders lose to the Pirates six to eight in the first game of the Super Regional. They come back in 13 innings to beat ECU three to one. And then in game three, they decisively beat ECU 11 to 10. ECU has really been kind of, like, on that cusp of, like, going to the College World Series in 2019. They go to a Super Regional against LSU, and not LSU, um, the University of Louisville, and Louisville sweeps to them as well. They are so close, but I think if you're in a Super Regional with Texas Tech and Louisville, it's a very, very small percentage of you actually winning, and if they played against a weaker regional opponent, maybe it would be different, but... As long as they're like a 9-16 to 16 seed, they're going to be placed with a top 8. And unless that top 8 is an ACC team that has literally no business being in the top 8, um, they're probably not going to win that game. So the fifth Super Regional matchup was Miami and Boston College. And because it's Miami, we probably know how this game went. But this series went, but you know they ended up actually... T- Boston College actually put up a fight which is crazy um the Miami wins game one 12 to seven very decisively Boston College comes back and wins game two five to three but then Miami comes back and they win in nine to four and they advance to Omaha Um, Miami has a lot of pride and I don't blame them for having a lot of pride and they need to have a lot of pride I wouldn't be caught dead losing to the Boston College Eagles if I lost In a super regional series, to Boston College, I would never pick up a baseball bat or baseball ever again. That would be in very embarrassing. All right. So this is the sixth, the sixth one, the sixth super regional, Mississippi State in Arizona. Um. Yeah, Arizona. I love talking about Arizona. I love. I love it. Um. Arizona is a reason as to why you should regard Pac-12 teams that make the NCAA tournament. You should probably count them as regional seeds, at least regional seeds. The Pac-12 easily produces as much talent as the SEC and the ACC. You just don't see it in the quantity of teams that they are able to put in the NCAA tournament. I mean, because you can sit there and be like, well, you know, all they have is, you know, Arizona and like UCLA and like, you know, Oregon State. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, hell, UCLA, Arizona and Oregon State won the College World Series this, in that past decade. So they're not trash teams. And Arizona is a great, and I'm telling when I tell you they are a great example, especially this year, they are a great example as to why you shouldn't necessarily count out teams that don't win their regional because, you know, the NCAA baseball committee makes mistakes. Um, Sometimes you have teams that are hosting regionals, <coughs> Clemson, <coughs> that don't need to be hosting regionals. So, if you're wondering why teams like Clemson don't win out of the regionals because you got lower-seeded teams that most certainly are better, they just don't get that recognition, but they shouldn't be counted out because of that. So, basically, we're not... I mean, Arizona didn't play Clemson, but they played Mississippi State, and Arizona embarrasses Mississippi State at home. And the reason I say embarrassed is because Mississippi State has a lot of pride and Duty Noble Field. Well, is that the place where... Did they renovate Duty Noble or or is that the new stadium? I think that's the new stadium. So, I don't know which one they played at before, but anyway... MSU has a lot of pride and to lose to Arizona and you know Arizona and Mississippi State they've been going at it since the 80s these are seasoned college baseball teams but yeah I mean Arizona the Wildcats sweep the Bulldogs and they advance to Omaha the seventh Louisville regional is Louisville versus UC Santa Barbara and no yeah I'll just say it later but the ganchos, which is, well, the gachos, I think it's gancho, gotcha, I don't know. But uh, I think it's Spanish for, like, cowboys or something. And they come in from UC Santa Barbara, which I think that's, like, in Southern California. They come all the way across the country to Louisville, Kentucky. I know they were making fun of Louisville. I know they were making fun of Louisville. Deadass, I know they were making fun of Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. I know they were when they walked up in there. And for a good reason, you know, they turn around and they embarrass the Cardinals at home and they sweep them to reach the College World Series. And I think it points to basically the NCAA tournament not being a guarantee, not being like a stepping stone, basically. I mean, when you think of college football, it's pretty straightforward. You know who's going to get into the playoffs, you know who's going to win. But when you have March Madness, you know, NCAA basketball and you have... NCAA baseball, it's just, it's not the same, like, it's honestly, so many number one seeds get upset all the motherfucking time, and you see it, you know, with Louisville, and you see it with Mississippi State, and were they the number one seed overall? No, but they were the number one seed in their regional, so, it's a lot, so then you have the Columbia Super Regional with South Carolina and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, and, South Carolina are also two teams that have been going at it since the 80s, both seasoned uh, college baseball teams. OSU sweeps South Carolina to advance to the College World Series. And at the end of the day, that was kind of unexpected because I like to say a lot of the times Oklahoma State did not have a pitching staff and they couldn't pitch to save their lives back in the day, back in the 80s. And that's the reason why they probably didn't win nine college world series back in the 80s i'm telling you right now if oklahoma state had a decent pitching staff and they didn't have to be amazing but if they were decent and they could hold teams to like less runs than what they scored it if you were talking about college world series champions it would be like okay arizona oklahoma state oklahoma state oklahoma state arizona oklahoma state stanford stanford oklahoma state oklahoma state like i'm telling you like they was dominance you know what i'm saying? but basically uh, that's all i have to say for that columbia super regional and with that you have your eight teams going to omaha and if, you, if let's get let's do a little bit of a review because you know obviously we don't know so you have the university of florida at the gators the number one seed overall you have coastal carolina texas christian university TCU the horn frogs ugly ass mascot you have um the texas tech red raiders the university of miami the hurricanes you have the university of arizona the wildcats you have the ganchos of uc santa barbara and you have oklahoma state those are your eight participants for omaha all right game one here we fucking go now okay actually before we talk about game one of the world series oh the college world series my dream is to go to Omaha. When I see people there, okay, when I see people in Omaha, they look so freaking happy, whether they're in the stands or they are in the grass area behind center field, or if they're in the stadium, like stands behind center field, they look so freaking happy to be there. When I tell you, I mean, there are diehard college baseball fans, like you have diehard football fans and you have diehard, you know, basketball fans. But when I'm telling you the college baseball fan base, like, it is it as much as like college football or college basketball? No, but I'm telling you that fan base, You can feel the energy because they are so freaking passionate, man. That's the only time anybody would probably ever go to Omaha, Nebraska, you know, is to go during the months, well, during uh, late June, you know, to watch basically the best, the eight best college baseball teams of the year, of the season, compete for that College World Series championship and Just to be there and to experience that energy, like, if I could go on a senior trip, I would like to follow a certain, like, college baseball team all the way, basically, to Omaha, and basically, that is what I want to do. Like, I would love it if FSU won their regional and then the Super Regional and then went to Omaha, I would love to follow other teams, just not the, um, Gators, but, um, yeah, basically pick a team and basically follow them all the way to the College World Series. This is just my dream. But anyway, getting into game one, you have the University of Florida and you have Coastal Carolina. Now, hopefully you guys have not forgotten, but, um, The University of Florida is the number one seed in the entire tournament. They are projected to win the College World Series. If they weren't, they probably wouldn't be projected to be number one. They probably wouldn't have been seeded number one in the NCAA tournament. But this is their year. Florida is going into it thinking that this this is their year. Now, obviously, every time they go to Omaha, they're thinking that this is their year. But especially in 2016, they were like, this is it. You know, this is our time. And then Coastal Carolina is that small mid-major school that won on a miracle walk-off double, you know, basically like a few days prior against LSU. And they're coming into the playoffs and they're coming in, not playoffs, they're coming into the College World Series and they're just happy to be there. Um, You can think of it a lot like 2008's Fresno State team; they were just basically happy to be there, and you know they wanted to play baseball and they wanted to play well. They didn't know how many games they were going to win, they didn't know how many games that they were going to lose, but they knew that they were going to play their freaking heart out. And guess what these fuckers did? Guess what Coastal Carolina did? Coastal Carolina upsets Florida. They eke out a close two one win over the Gators, and let me tell you, if I was in Omaha, and I was there in 2016, I would be jumping out of my freaking seat, I would be so freaking excited that this unseated, small, mid-major school beat such a big team, and that is such a big catalyst, basically, for what's going to happen going forward. This is huge. Now, number one seeds have been upset before that's not something that you know hasn't happened before but the fact that this was coastal carolina's first college world series game ever and they come in and they beat a number one seed is crazy so andrew beckwith now this is going to be a name that you hear frequently for coastal carolina he is a great pitcher and he pitched very well in Omaha for Coastal Carolina, one of the big reasons why this team ended up winning the whole thing. He pitched a complete game. And the crazy part about it is that this is not the only complete game that this pitcher throws. Uh, Beckwith pitches at least two. I know he pitches at least two complete games. And he did it against the University of Florida, which makes it even more impressive. And one of the Gators players said after the game they just could not adjust to Andrew Beckwith, and it is a compliment, okay? It is a huge freaking compliment because, you know, you're pitching from a small mid-major school. You haven't have really played opponents that have been on Florida's caliber for most of the season, or at least not constantly every weekend like Florida, has and so when you have a former pitcher well, not say a former pitcher when you have a Gators pitcher sit up there and say we just could not adjust to Andrew Beckwith, that is huge, you know what I'm saying? Because you're the number one seed, you have this great lineup, like you should be able to do it, and they just could not do it basically during that game. <sighs> oh my god, okay, <laughs> I just like cough on camera. Oh, yeah, you didn't hear that. So, um you have Logan Shore, who also pitched, and um, he was the opposing pitcher on the Gators team. And when they needed him most, he really didn't have his best um, night. And he gave up three doubles and two triples. So I mean, I think mean, he gave up more than five hits. But basically, those hits kind of scored the runs, basically, for Coastal Carolina. So while they weren't a lot of hits, um, they you know, they um, kind of did a number on Florida and they kind of put them in that hole, basically. So Zach Ramilliard another name that you're going to hear from Coastal Carolina. He is on their baseball team, obviously. Ramilliard another name that you are going to hear from uh, Coastal Carolina, came out and... He hit an RBI triple in the fifth inning, and it helped the Chanticleers. (laughs) Oh, my God. I think I've said it wrong probably the past few times. But he helped the Chanticleers to a 2-1 lead in the sixth inning. So that was the go-ahead run, and no other team scored after that. Obviously, that's why the final score was 2-1. And... Coastal Carolina, I mean, they got that win, and um, believe it or not, there were actual fans in Omaha. Now, I don't know if they, some of them were bandwagon fans, I don't know if some of them were from Nebraska, and they heard about, you know, Coastal, and they're like, you know what, they probably don't have a big fan base, like, let me just travel down to Omaha and let's see what's up. Uh, But basically, those, some people made the trip, some people were like, you know what, I'm going and I'm going to go to support my Chanticleers. Now, did they think that they were going to actually actually win the College World Series? Maybe some of them have that faith in them. Maybe some of them didn't. But, I mean, it's crazy. You know, oh, I got to stay another night. Oh, I got to stay another night. Like, that'd be kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, after that, game one is over. Florida, if you guys, oh, my Lord. Okay. So the way the College World Series goes is the entire like NCAA tournament, you had two sides of a bracket, and Florida and Coastal and TCU and Texas Tech were on one side of the bracket, we'll just call it the left side, and then you had the University of Miami, Arizona, UC Santa Barbara, and Oklahoma State were on the other side of the bracket, and basically the teams that come out of each bracket in the college world series end up in the college world series finals you have the a best of two out of three matchup and then the person who wins the two games out of three or if you go and you sweep it and you win two games then you really don't have to play a third because you kind of already won the whole thing and whoever wins that wins the college world series and each, si- each side of the bracket, just like in the regionals and the super regionals, is double elimination. So Florida has another chance to play to save themselves. And Coastal can lose, you know, a couple more games. But, you know, as Coastal, so you, you don't want to do that. But basically, that's what's going on right now. So you have game two. You have TCU and Texas Tech. It is a huge Big 12 rivalry. The Horned Frogs and the Texas Tech Red Raiders are two of the best teams in the Big 12. And around this time, you had Texas and you had Baylor as well. But neither of those teams, I believe, made the tournament this year. And then you also have Oklahoma State, another Big 12 team that is also in the College World Series. So the Big 12 is definitely they are big dogs around this time. And this is a great matchup and it's a great game just like Coastal Carolina and Florida. It's the best matchup so far in Omaha. So you have TCU upsetting the number five seed of Texas Tech and, you know, it's crazy. And I don't believe Texas Tech, I know, well, let me say that. I digress. I know Texas Tech did not host a regional this year. And if, I mean, yeah, and if they did host a regional, it was like 9 through 16. They weren't a national seed. So, basically, TCU upsets a Texas Tech 5-3. And it all came off of a three-run homer at the end of the game. Basically, a walk-off three-run homer by a Luke and Baker. And... Actually, I misspoke. Uh, Texas Tech actually was the home team, which makes Luke and Baker's three run, three run homer a go ahead home run. And apparently, Texas Tech has had a terrible job at closing out games because in the sixth inning, Texas Tech was up three to two, and they were up three to two on a RBI double, I believe. And I honestly do believe in games like this where you have Power 5 teams who were pretty good in the regular season and they didn't really show out in the tournament as much and then they do good in the regional, in the super regional. I'm telling you, it's like these sleeper schools, like you're going to see with Arizona and Oklahoma State, which you've probably already heard of because, you know, they knocked – you know, people out of their regionals and super regionals. I mean, don't sleep on teams just because, you know, they're not seated, which is common knowledge, especially when you talk about college baseball. But it most definitely has everything to do with what's going on right now. Um, Don't count out teams that aren't seated. And that's not exactly what happened. I'm not saying that's what happened with Texas Tech. It's just um, fan wise, like don't count them out. So now you have game three. We're going on to the other side of the bracket. You have the University of Miami and the University of Arizona going at it. These two are historically college baseball-like powerhouses. They have been on their shit since the 80s. Each of them won two College World Series back in the 80s, and they are just a great team. Arizona actually won their last College World Series back in 20. 12 so that was a good four years ago but they are now back in Omaha and they are ready to do damage and so is the University of Miami because you have the hurricanes trying to get over this stigma like these new baseball teams are emerging and they're going to knock you out of your place and now you know they're in Omaha and we're just going to see basically how well they do. And unfortunately for Miami, their first game in Omaha this year was not the one that they were expecting. They got into a hole early in the game and they just could not help themselves out of the hole, unfortunately. And when you get down very early in a college baseball game in Omaha, it is very difficult to come back. Few, and I mean few, teams have put themselves in a position like that and have come out of it. And that is definitely a game that I will definitely talk about in terms of Oregon State and Washington in the College World Series in 2018, which is going to be the episode that comes out the next Friday. Not this upcoming coming Friday, but the next Friday afterwards. So, the Arizona Wildcats, they score early to secure a 5-1 to win. And basically... They scored, you know, all of their runs early. I just said that. But Miami starting pitcher, Michael mediavia I believe, and he was 11-2 basically up until this point. He just wasn't on his game. Same thing like Logan Shore basically. Like he just wasn't on his game. And when you have a starting pitcher as good of a team as you are, and if they are not 100% and they don't, come out there and give you the game that you need them to give you. It can be very detrimental to your team because baseball is fielding, pitching, and hitting. And if you're putting your team in a hole very early, It's going to be really hard to basically come back from that. And that's exactly what happened with this game. And the Arizona Wildcats, as they should have, and is what a lot of good college baseball teams do, they take advantage of struggling starting pitchers who are usually lights out. And that's what they did. And, you know, I respect it. You know, I respect it a lot. I mean, media via, he gave up. Three runs in the first inning and they came through walks, you know, and in the College World Series and in Omaha and in baseball in general, you know, you can't come out walking guys, you know, at the beginning of the game. And I would probably say that, you know, it was nerves because it is Omaha, so there were definitely nerves going on. The Wildcats ace. Nathan Bannister and Nathan Bannister is going to be another name that you hear throughout the College World Series for the University of Arizona he only gave up one run on eight hits so Miami scores one time in the fourth inning but that's it and it's not the Miami that we're used to seeing but it's also not the Texas Tech we're used to seeing well Actually, yeah, because they can't finish games in Omaha. Texas Tech can't. But it's not the Florida that we're used to seeing. And it's not the Miami that you're used to seeing. And when you start watching college baseball for a couple more years, you're going to end up realizing that you're going to have a lot of top-seeded teams and teams that deserve to be a top seed just not complete it. They don't capitalize off of opportunities that they need to. And... It's because the College World Series is just a different environment, you know. With the regular season, I'm not saying, like, it's you're allowed to fuck up. But, I mean, it's not like you're going to be eliminated from playing college baseball back in, like, maybe March or April. So, that pressure isn't really kind of on you as much. But I think, you know, once you get to Omaha and you start realizing, like, hey, one more loss and we're out, you know what I'm saying? Like, the pressure starts mounting, mounting and building and... That's why you see a lot of these um, top eight seeds fall. And not just in Omaha. We'll say like in a super regional or in a regional. You know what I'm saying? Unless they're like mad trash, which is the University of Clemson. But other than that, you know, you're just going to start to see that a little bit more. So in game four, this is still the opening day. You what say opening day. Um, yeah. You have Oklahoma State and UC Santa Barbara. And, um, if you guys know, uh, in 2016, there was a certain pitcher on UC Santa Barbara's team and that pitcher went on to get drafted. Well, I say get drafted, I don't know. And he is now pitching for the Indians and he now has a Cy Young Award. He won it in 2020. And if that isn't a dead giveaway, I don't know what is, um, You had two non-hosting teams that won the regional and beat seeded opponents basically to get to Omaha. And Oklahoma State and UC Santa Barbara are just two of those teams where it's like don't count them out because they are very good teams when their backs are against the wall. And they're also very good teams in general. They're just great programs. And You start to realize it in the NCAA tournaments, you're going to have teams where if they show up on your regional, like you're going to want to keep a mad eye out for them because they are great teams, especially when they're not hosting. They will take you the fuck down. And that's exactly what Oklahoma State and UC Santa Barbara, you know, that's who they are. So you have a close one to nothing win for the Cowboys. Pitching performances by Thomas Hatch of Oklahoma State, a name that you're going to hear a couple more times. And um, Shane Bieber, they pitched absolutely amazing. They pitched great. Um, The only thing I can say is I would have loved to be in Omaha in 2016 and watched that hunk, hunkalicious, Shane Bieber, pitch in that College World Series game. Okay. I would have been front row, behind home plate, staring. Okay, but okay, that's not the point. The point is um, the Cowboys get their long run in the fourth inning on three singles from Corey Hassel, Donnie Walton, and Garrett Binge, I'm saying binge, and um the single off of Garrett's binge scores hassle, and it s- snaps a five game skid for the Cowboys in the College World Series, and they move on in the winners bracket to face Arizona and or Miami, which it ends up being Arizona, and um you know Oklahoma State as of recent and kind of just as of history for the past four years has just not been. They are a College World Series team, and if they had, like, a decent pitching staff, they probably would have won every College World Series they w- they went to back in the 80s. But as of late, which I say, like, over the past few years since 2016, not since we, but before 2016, so like, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, um, they have just not been able to complete it and get it done. And Oklahoma State, you know, finally did that with that win over UC Santa Barbara. And you can argue that, well, you know, UC Santa Barbara is, you know, a major school out in California. Yeah, and they're pretty damn good. So let's not sit up here and be like, well, you know, it's UC Santa Barbara. You know, had it been Arizona or, you know, Miami, it would have been a different story. Oh, we'll see. Elimination games. It is time. People, teams have got to go home. I'm sorry, teams have got to go home. So now we're just going to stay on this side of the bracket. I don't know why I did this game first, but I probably should have done Florida and Texas Tech first, but I did not. So we're just going to go ahead and do the University of Miami and Santa Barbara. And guess who gets eliminated? And it is not the team that was a national seed. I know, I mean, it was the team that was the national seed. So the University of Miami loses to UC Santa Barbara, the Ganchos. And that's why I say you don't fuck around with the SB baby. Don't fuck around with them. Okay. The Gonchos beat the Hurricanes 5-3 to survive elimination, and another high-seeded team with high hopes for a championship goes home. I'm telling you guys right now, the same thing happens in March Madness. It happens in NCAA baseball. Top seeds, it's not going to be very rarely where you see the top eight seeds in a tournament go to Omaha. And I think that's what makes it super duper... Super-duper, duper-super interesting and entertaining to watch because it's not like football, you know what I'm saying? It's like baseball and basketball. It's just, you know, smaller schools have the opportunity to really just prove the, well, prove themselves, but um, they're very talented teams, and you actually get to see them be talented, which I think is a great thing. So, both teams score once in the first inning— but it's relatively quiet until the sixth inning. And then an hour rain delay came. And if we know anything about rain delays in college baseball, especially a certain rain delay about two years later in Omaha, rain delays can be either really good or really bad for a team. So you have the pinch hitter, Ryan Cumberland, who is coming up after a walk. In the top of the sixth inning. Top sixth inning. Well, bottom maybe. I don't care. Whoever the home and away team is, we don't care. But he's coming up after the batter in front of him got walked. He has been battling the flu all week. Ryan Cumberland is sickly. He's a sickly player. But, you know, this could potentially be his last game in Omaha for the year. And he wants to continue to play for UC Santa Barbara, which I feel like is very admirable. And... He hits a clutch double to give the Gonchos extra insurance runs, and they got ahead three to one. And then adding a couple of bunts because they know how to uh, strategize and shit like that. The score is now five to one, and UC Santa Barbara is beating the Hurricanes. You know, top-seeded team. The Hurricanes scored two runs in the eighth inning, cutting the lead to five to two. However. It just wasn't enough and they were sent packing. And that is very, very unfortunate, unfortunately. But it makes college baseball entertaining and it had to happen to somebody. It just happened to be Miami. Now, however, if it is the ugly, fugly, scaly, disgusting, dirty nail ass having Gators, then it might be a different story. And in game six, The impossibly possible happens. The University of Florida is eliminated from the College World Series, and as a girl, I cannot be more than happy. I mean, I can't be more than I can't be happier than this right here. So Texas Tech survives to advance to play uh, Coastal Carolina with a close three to two. No, well, the winner of Coastal Carolina and TCU. So Texas Tech survives with a close 3-2 win over the number one seed in dramatic fashion. And we just love it when the Gators just lose in dramatic fashion because when a team falls apart, a team falls apart. Now, this didn't happen this game, but it did happen. um, It didn't happen this year, but it did happen a couple years later. 2018 is just going to be really exciting. I love it. So in the fourth inning, the Red Ranger, the Red Rangers, the Red Raiders, Eric Gutierrez hit a two-run homer off of the Gators Alex Fado for the 2-0 lead. So it's been relatively quiet up until the fourth inning, and then you get this two, two-run homer. In the ninth inning, Texas Tech scores again off of a costly era, error by the Gators' defense, and <laughs> that's not the only time that happens. And Pete Alonzo, ooh, disgusting, Mets, 2019 rookie of the year, Peter. Peter Alonzo. Lord. I've met so many bad Peters in my life. We're not gonna talk about that. So Pete Alonzo ill hits a homer that, you know, doesn't really change shit. You know, great, have another home run on your resume. You like that, Alonzo? So we had that in the ninth inning, and it basically didn't do shit. Those fuckers still lost. Um, Howard settled down, which was the pitcher, the relief pitcher for uh, the Texas Tech. I don't know his first name. I don't know why. I didn't bother to wonder what his first name was, but he got a pop out and then threw out a freshman, Jonathan India, which is also another a Florida baseball player that, um, will be talked about in later years. He becomes one of the, um, premier players on that team in the next couple of years. And I guess also what I'm trying to say is that I don't feel bad for these people because they are Gators. And this is the first time that Texas Tech wins a game in Omaha ever. Ever. Um, In 2014, they lost the TCU after leading for a period of time, and this is before the game the previous night, and then in Mississippi State, they tied in a baseball game, and I didn't know you could do that in Omaha, I don't know what happens if you tie, that kind of doesn't make any sense, but we're just going to go with it. And now we're moving on to the winner's bracket. So, Miami is not here anymore. Florida is not here anymore. And now, it is time. You have Coastal Carolina and TCU battling it out. The winner of this game is basically in the College World Series semifinals. They don't have to play another game until whoever loses this winner's bracket game and whoever wins, who won the loser's bracket game, which is um, Texas Tech. So the loser of TCU and Coastal Carolina has to play Texas Tech for a spot in the College World Series semifinals. And either they have to beat the winner of the winner's bracket twice or the winner's bracket just has to beat the winner of those two teams one time to get into the College World Series finals. The Corn Frogs decisively beat the Chanticleers 6-1. And all seemingly seems right with the baseball world. You know, you're looking at it and it's like, look, these Chanticleers should not have beaten the number one seed in Omaha. They shouldn't have swept one of the best college baseball programs of all time in a super regional in Baton Rouge at Alex Box Stadium. You know, you have a lot of teams that are looking at Coastal like, what are they doing here? They don't need to be here. They're not good enough. And with this win of like TCU over them. This is like reinforcing that idea that's like Coastal has no business being here. Luke and Baker is still hot after that three run homer, go ahead homer in that opening game against Florida and not Florida, Texas Tech, oh my God. So he's still hot, he goes three for three with the first at bat of the game being a home run. This man was like, I am not scared of the Clears. And, you know. And mind you, Lukan Baker has been really hot this entire time. You know what I'm saying? He's been really good. So, Coastal's game, I think it's just the pressure got got to them. And it's, you know, it's TCU. So, I just feel like they were just being a little sloppy. They were being sloppier than usual and it was marred with errors and subpar pitching which is not good if you're you're going up against a Big 12 team because you know a team like TCU has both on lock. TCU gets two unearned runs in the fifth inning due to a throwing error and then another one in the sixth on a double play grounder and then tripled in a run. So somebody hit a triple and it brought in a run and they scored on another error in the ninth to make it six to one and You know, when you have a bad game like that in a regular season game, like you might run a couple of polls and you might do that in Omaha as well. But it's not good, especially to do it when you're in the situation that, you know, you could go home the next day because you had one bad game. And that's the case for the Chanticleers. And, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if, you know, if Coastal had a great game Do you think they would have beaten TCU? And obviously that remains to be seen. We would have never known. And did Coastal really need to beat TCU in this game? I mean, because they won the College World Series this year, you could most certainly say that they really kind of didn't need to win. But they are extremely lucky that this is a uh, double elimination tournament because in basketball, you do not have the liberty to have another game to play. This is single elimination. March Madness is a single elimination. Baseball is double elimination. So you could argue either way that one is harder than the other, but um, I'm not going to debate that with anybody. I think they're both equally challenging and I think they're both equally more, ta- more entertaining than like college football. Game eight of the winner's bracket. We are now moving on to the other side of the bracket. Now Miami has been eliminated from... This side of the bracket, so now because Oklahoma State and Arizona beat UC Santa Barbara and Miami, they get to play in the undefeated bracket. The Cowboys win a close one-to-nothing game over the Arizona Wildcats. It was a pitchers duel between Bobby Dalbick and Butt Buffet. Each goes eight innings, basically. So it was just outstanding pitching performances. Same thing with um, UC Santa Barbara and Oklahoma State. You know, Shane Bieber and Hatch and Thomas Hatch. It's basically the same thing. Oklahoma State came out swinging again with Butt Buffet. Um, I I think it's I don't think it's Buffet, but um. I mean, I don't think it's but, but I forgot his name. And Bobby Dalbeck is going to be another player that you're going to hear a lot in the College World Series. Um, this is a two-way guy. He made his debut in 2020 with the Boston Red Sox. I had no idea who he was. And as I am doing research on this College World Series, I am starting to realize that this dude might be a big deal when it comes to Major League Baseball. I have a soft spot for two-way guys, and I think Bobby Dalbeck is probably one of the most talented two-way guys that I've ever heard of in my entire life. This man can do it on the mound, and he can do it at the plate. I am just enamored with Bobby Dalbeck. I feel like if Arizona won the College World Series, Bobby Dalbeck would probably be the most outstanding player He is absolutely amazing, super talented, and I just loved, you know, doing research on him. I mean, he's amazing, and I think he's going to have a glory, beautiful, storied MLB career, whether the Red Sox turn him into a pitcher or whether they turn him into a position player, but I really do think the Red Sox are going to utilize him both ways because he is so talented both ways. This man, who is a two-way guy, just threw eight innings in a College World Series game, and that's something that I will forever commend him for. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, Buff- Buffet did good too, but um, Bobby Dalvik, y'all. The Wildcats were robbed of a hit at the beginning of the game. The first pitch that Buffet threw, it was a high fly ball out into center field, and everybody at in Omaha at TD Ameritrade Park like they're like this ball is gone Arizona is 1-0 basically they're 1-0 with one i mean this the score is 1-0 they have already scored their first run and it's only been the first pitch and you have the Cowboys center fielder who is very talented you have Ryan Sluter out in center field making a big play and this play is so great they have it on sports center Yes, a college baseball play has been found on Sports Center. It is everything. <laughs> the game is relatively quiet until the fourth inning after a double and a single brings home the only run of the game for the Cowboys. And everything kind of just quiets down. But, you know, when the Arizona Cardinals really, ne- Arizona Cardinals, now I'm talking about NFL. But when the Arizona Wildcats really need that push, they just can't get it. And Arizona basically never really threatened throughout the game. But Buffett, after he almost gave up a home run or a hit, honestly, like a hit, at least a hit, you know, he made sure he sat down as many people as he could. I mean, he had a great outing. Same thing with Bobby Dalbick. It's just that lone run in the fourth inning. Same thing with Shane Bieber. Like, he was doing so good, okay? And he had that one run in the middle of the game. And I know he, well... Let me not say that. I don't know anything about them, but um, they just pitched really great, and it was just that one run, and it just fucked up the entire game. Unfortunately, they fucked it up. So I hope Bieber and Dalbic, I hope you guys are proud of yourselves. You fucked it up for your team. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. If they ever listen to it, that's. I didn't mean that. It's elimination. Game time. Once again, we have to send these teams home. We have too many teams in Omaha. We have six teams in Omaha. We have got to get rid of them. So we have to have another elimination game. We have Texas Tech and Coastal Carolina. I told you guys before, the loser of The two teams between TCU and Coastal Carolina, they would have to play the winner of the loser's bracket. It sounds like an oxymoron. I'm telling you, it's not an oxymoron. Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, small, mid-major school, wins the regional that they don't even host, okay? They sweep LSU in a super regional game. I mean, super regional series, super regional. You know what I'm saying? They come out. They upset the number one seed opening day in Omaha. They lose to TCU after a sloppy game. These people could have said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just play this game and go home. Guess what they said? Oh, hell to the fucking naw! I am not going home today. Well, we are not going home today. We're going to stay in Omaha, and we are going to go to the College World Series Finals, and we're going to win this championship, and guess what these dudes did? They go and they upset another national seed. I mean if you don't have a college baseball team as you're watching Omaha your favorite team is on Omaha right now your favorite your favorite team is now Coastal Carolina I don't give a fuck what anybody else says this would be my favorite team because um Florida State isn't in it. But, I mean, the perseverance this team has, you have no choice but to literally fall in love with every single dude on the team. You have no choice but to fall in love with the head coach. You have no choice but to fall in love with the assistant coaches. Okay, the unpaid third assistant that needs to be paid. Like, you have no choice but to fall in love. Oak, Coastal Carolina upsets and eliminates the number five seed in the freaking tournament. Texas Tech you're gone you're out of here have a nice day go back to Lubbock um and boys you know play your summer ball I guess I don't know The Chanticleers they beat the Texas Red Raiders well Texas Tech Red Raiders I already said that three times but they beat them 7 to 5 to advance to the final 4 point blank period David Perrette, the catcher for the Chanticleers went 2 for 4 on the day and Morrison Uh, another name that you're going to hear later, pitched four innings, four and a third innings in relief for the Chanticleers. And um, when I tell y'all, if you you have somebody that pitches more than three innings in relief, give them a pat on the the back because Morrison really, relief pitches are very important. Starting pitches and relief pitchers, all pitchers are just very important. And I mean, the fact that this man pitched four and a third innings in relief and that was a, that is a very long time and you have to be really talented to be able to um, keep your ball in the zone even when you're tired and your stamina is not there. And he really did help the Clears beat the Red Raiders seven to five. At the top of the second inning, the Chandeliers take a one run lead playing small ball. And I'm telling you, small ball wins championships. I don't give a fuck what anybody else says. Small ball wins championships. And then you have the Red Raiders scoring three times to make it three to one. Unfortunately. So the Red Raiders answer back in the second inning and they score three times to make it three to one. In the third inning Coastal scores three more runs on a Texas Tech error to make the score 4 to 3. Now Never mind. No, let's keep going. In the fifth Texas Tech makes another costly error. So Now that's two in the game allowing Coastal to score another three runs and to make the score 7 to 3. TTU Texas Tech University scores two more runs in the seventh to cut the lead to 7 to 5 and you know, it's just not enough. And I'm telling you right now, errors, it's a momentum thing, man. And I know your coach probably says this all the time. I mean, you have you have somebody make one error, then it's gonna turn into two, and then it's gonna turn into three errors. And it just, it happens because you're losing momentum and the other team is gaining momentum. So you could have skills that you've trained on basically for your entire life since you were four or five, you know, playing t-ball and, You know, you can make a costly error or mistake, something that you would never make in any other situation, but that momentum is shifting away from you, and you know, you're starting to panic, you know, because it's an elimination game on top of that, and you're in the middle of the game, you're running out of outs, and the momentum is basically shifting to the Chanticleers, and it's very sad. So, Karma does wonders. Coastal Carolina lost due to errors against Texas Christian, and now TC. Not TCU, but Texas Tech lost in an elimination game and went back home to Lubbock because of errors as well. And costly errors, I mean they're a lot to think about. So in game ten you have UC Santa Barbara and Arizona. The Wildcats shut oh, um, hold on. I'm moving too fast. So this is another elimination game, as you guys know, because Arizona lost to Oklahoma State one to nothing the previous day. So now they're having to play UC Santa Barbara, who won the elimination game against Miami. And the Wildcats shut out the Gonchos three to nothing to advance to the College World Series semifinals and so does Coastal. Coastal beats what with Coastal beating Texas Tech, they advanced to the College World Series finals to face TCU again. And then Arizona beats the Gonchos to face Oklahoma State again as well. Arizona scored all three of their runs in the third inning by a single, a walk, two sack flies to advance the runners and then a two-run homer. You know, I'm telling you, I mean, if you if I mean, if you can hold a three-run run lead like that, I mean, like You know, you do you. Some people score all their runs in a certain inning, and then it's like, okay, you're done. You know, if you score enough of them, you know, you'll be okay. Now, J.C. Clooney of the Wildcats was also a big um, catalyst for why these people won. He pitched an amazing game. He went seven innings, and he only had five hits, and obviously he had no runs because the score was, I mean, obviously he allowed no runs because the score was three to nothing. And J.C. Clooney is going to be another name that you're going to hear frequently because um, he's just really good. So <laughs> He's just a really good pitcher for Arizona, so it's, it's going to be another name that you hear a lot. Court of the Gonchos, which is the pitcher, um, he pitched great in relief, but the Gonchos just couldn't push any runs across, and that's why they were sent home to UC Santa Barbara, which is... To be honest, would I be that upset about cuz it's, you know, California. I'm just saying. So, College World Series College World Series semifinals, we're here. Every team that makes the College World Series is a great team. Um, you're a great team if you're Coastal Carolina, you're great for Oklahoma State, TCU, Arizona, you know. Um, this type of thing where it's like even if they make it to Omaha, they're not that good. Like You have to be pretty damn good. You have to be good, and it's not just talent. It's strategy, it's your worth ethic, it's being able to not give up. It's doing basically all of that stuff And on top of that, even more, there's a certain type of heart that you have to have to be in Omaha and to make it as far as you do. Because a lot of people, I say a lot of people, a lot of teams and a lot of programs who have been in Omaha and they just haven't made it that far. I just feel like the heart is not there. And you really have to have that heart to really get over the edge and to really capture that national championship. Which, you know, is very elusive. It's not easy to win. And it's not going to be like, you know, college football you know, or anything like that. It's going to be very difficult and you're going to have to want it and you have to have that heart. You know, you don't have to be a part of a Power Five conference. Plenty of teams that have won the College World Series have been mid-major schools. I say plenty, but you know, there there, there have been a couple and Coastal shows that, you know. I mean, all four of the teams that we're talking about right now, we're talking about Oklahoma State, TCU, and uh arizona and coastal carolina they were not regional seeds you know doesn't mean there were bad teams but they were not ranked one through 16 they didn't get to host their own regional none of that happened they had to fight in their own regional they had to travel to play in a regional and they had to fight to make it out of their regionals and they fought against you know All odds, you know, to win the best two out of three series and they ended up going to Omaha and they're in the position that they're in right now. Don't ever count out a number two seed. Don't count out another three seed. Don't count out a four seed, man, because these teams can come up here and they can whoop people. You know, they can whoop them. All right, let's get into these College World Series semifinals and... Let's basically wrap it up. I've been talking now probably for about an hour and a half. And and you guys are probably tired of me by now. But, you know, it's the NCAA tournament. There is a lot going on. And I wanted to just do the College World Series. But, I mean, if you don't have a background on basically like a general basis of the 2016 season and everything kind of leading up into that point... To be honest, um, it's not necessarily going to be like... You're not going to understand it, especially if you're a new college baseball fan. And even if you have watched college baseball for like a few years, it's like you kind of have to refresh your mind. So, yeah. I'm not going to do it like game by game. Like I am going to do it game by game, but I'm not going to do like TCU and Coastal Carolina, the first game that they played, and then I'm going to do Oklahoma State and Arizona. No, I'm just going to do the two games, you know, because Coastal Carolina beats TCU twice to advance to Omaha, and Arizona beats Oklahoma State twice. So I'm basically just going to go through that and basically how that all went down. So Coastal Carolina, we know that the first time that Coastal Carolina and TCU met – Coastal Carolina lost to TCU 1-6. to And it was something that was kind of expected because we're like, okay, TCU is this big, big 12 team and then there's Coastal Carolina. And in order for Coastal Carolina to remain in the NCAA tournament, they have to beat TCU. You know, they have to. And in order to advance to the College World Series Finals, they have to beat them twice. And... Basically, Coastal Carolina at this point, they're just happy to make it, but I think once you get to the College World Series semifinals and you realize that you're the only four teams left, there's this heightened sense of like, you know, we could really do this. And that's exactly what happened in Game 1. In Game 1, Andrew Beckwith, I told you we were going to talk about him, like, this is Coastal Carolina, this is their go-to guy, this is their ace. He pitched absolutely amazing. He threw another complete game, and he only allowed six hits, one run, and one walk. And I'm telling you right now, if you really needed a guy to come in clutch, especially in a College World Series elimination game, you need your pitcher to come in clutch, and he did exactly that. And I'm telling you, this is the type of talent that people think like you wouldn't necessarily see from... A mid major school, but I'm telling you, like Coastal Carolina, these mid major schools are producing top tier talent. We're talking people like Justin Verlander, like that's a mid major school. He didn't come out of, you know, UCLA or like Florida State or Florida. Like no, like that's Old Dominion. I mean, we can talk about a lot of elite pitchers that came from mid major schools. We talked about Shane Bieber, and Shane Bieber was a walk on on UC Santa Barbara, and he ended up becoming one of the core pitchers, you know, for. You know that team and a lot of this talent you can develop talent in mid-major schools you know it's not just the power five schools that i feel like a lot of the times is what you see maybe in college football that's producing this talent there are you know mid-major schools producing Justin Verlander type talent and you know other talent as well so Andrew Beckwith does his job. Coastal only got four hits on the day. And you're thinking, okay, that's not a lot of hits. But they are a team that knows how to strategize and they know how to play small ball because are they as talented as TCU? That remains to be debatable. I would say yes, but a lot of people would kind of say no. No. But they used costly errors by the Horn Frogs basically to secure a win. They capitalized off of the four hits that they got. I mean, because TCU was not going to give it to them easily. I mean, it's not like they're the Gators, you know what I'm saying? But the long run by TCU was a sh- solo shot by Dane Steinhagen. And, you know, it's nice. I mean, they still didn't win the game, so... The Chanticleers end up winning 4-1, to one, and now they're playing in a winner's-take-all game against, you know, TCU. And as you guys know, because I told you that Coastal Carolina won the 2016 College World Series, um, in order for a team to win the College World Series like Coastal Carolina, they would have had to win that winner's-take-all game. And that game would be the next one that they played. So, obviously, they win the second game because that's how they get to the College World Series Finals, and basically what happens in this game is that it's basically a 7-4 win for the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. And I forgot to say, um, in Game 1, errors were a huge issue for TCU, and that's the... But yeah, they were a huge air, and they were a huge um factor in that win for Coastal Carolina as well. But both teams really found the barrel of the bat. You had Coastal Carolina with twelve hits. You had TCU with eleven. And the thing about it is like obviously you know seven to five. That's a pretty you know good score for a baseball game. But the reason why. TCU wasn't able to score more and possibly win this game is that the Chanticleers really turned some key double plays throughout the game that kept runners from scoring and ended innings and all that good stuff. So it's that leadership, it's that talent, and it's that worth ethic and, you know, being able to turn those key double plays at the right time. And that just comes with a lot of practice and repetition that comes with any sport and Marks, Chadwick, Ramilliard, and Owings. Now, I talked about Marks and Remilliard. I definitely know that. But Chadwick and Owings have been pretty good up until this point as well. And the Chanticleers runs were basically produced by those four guys. And, you know, when you have multiple guys, like, contributing to the game and everything, you're definitely going to win. You got, like, over half of the, basically half the lineup really doing the work, you know, it's teamwork. So the Chanticleers really um, capitalized at the beginning of the games. They jumped out to a three and zero lead. And then in the fourth inning, the Texas Horn Frogs, they cut that lead to three and one, but then the Chanticleers put up a four spot in the bottom of the fourth, so now it's seven to one. TCU scored once in the sixth inning and they scored once again in the seventh inning. um, Okay, they probably scored another run before that either too because now my math is wrong. Okay, it's seven to four. Now the game is seven to four. So maybe they scored like a couple more runs than what I said. But anyway, in the ninth inning, TCU scored one more making the um score seven to five. But, you know, the ch- Chanticleers, Chanticleers, turned another double play and it ended the Horn Fox hopes of possibly winning a national championship. And now you have Coastal Carolina, the team that nobody figured would be going to the College World Series finals going. And now at this point, you're like, okay, I have no choice but to win this thing. I have no choice but to win this thing. So that's probably the mentality they're going to with the College World Series finals. And now we're going to get into the other series, we have um Oklahoma State in Arizona. The first game is basically something that like Oklahoma State had really never dealt with, I think, before. They have always had a really good pitching staff. They hadn't allowed any runs in the College World Series yet. And this year, not this year, this game, it was just different for them. They ended up... Winning 9 3, and they jumped. Well, the Arizona, well, the Wildcats ended up winning 9 3. The Wildcats' offense kind of began with an early 3 0 lead by the end of the second inning. And obviously, when you're jumping out to a 3 0 lead at the beginning of any game, that's enough to get a team and a pitcher, I guess, a little nervous. And I feel like you'd be lying if you said that wasn't the case. And I mean, I don't know what else to say, like everything clicked for the Wildcats in this game. You had Nathan Bannister coming out and doing his job, and he didn't—he wasn't pitching a lot, but they took him out early in the game, and they replaced him with Ming, and Ming was absolutely stellar. He was outstanding. He was doing very, very well. So after this 3-1 lead by the end of the second inning, in the fourth inning, the Wildcats score another run in the fourth. But then Oklahoma State, they get two runs with um on a wild pitch, and they make they make the score four and two. In the eighth inning, the Wildcats extend their lead. They get a couple insurance runs. They score two runs, making the score six to two. And then in the ninth, an error by the Cowboys helped Arizona Wildcats to score three more runs in the ninth inning to make the score four to two. And I mean A lot of the times when you get with these College World Series, and obviously you see it with TCU, you saw it with Texas Tech, and now, now you see it with Oklahoma State, it's these costly errors, errors that these good teams usually don't make, but it's the momentum and it's the pressure and it's the nervousness. Like, this is a playoff game, you know what I'm saying? If I don't win this game, I have to definitely have to win another one to make the College World Series Finals. So... The stakes and the pressure, you know, it's so high. So really the best teams, the most talented teams, are the ones who are able to really respond to that pressure. And as you can see in Game 1, Oklahoma State just doesn't do that. And it was the first time, like I said before, that Oklahoma State had given up a run during the entire World Series. In Game 2, the Wildcats sealed the deal early and advanced to the finals. I mean... That's how you get the Chanticleers and the Wildcats in the finals in the first place. Arizona had to win again the next day. Bobby Dalbeck, I'm telling you, this is like my favorite dude right now. This is my favorite college baseball player right now. I was like, what? I love it. I mean, the the Red Sox, they have a good one. and They know they have a good one because Bobby Dalbeck came out and he was absolutely amazing in the 2020 season. And the fact that I am just heard, hearing about this dude's college career right now, I mean... He's very talented and I can tell he works very hard. So he did his thing for Arizona. He went seven innings and only allowed one one run on four hits and he struck out six batters. You know, pretty pretty good for a two way guy. The Wildcats scored two runs in each of the first two innings and then made the score four to nothing early, and that's by the end of the second inning. Zach Gibbons also continued his hot streak with going two for four and he had three RBIs. So Gibbons has been doing really well during this College World Series, and Hatch, Hatchers, um, as you guys know, I mean he he pitched um, part of that shutout the first time that Oklahoma State played Miami. No, UC Santa Barbara, one of those teams, and. Hatch came out and he really did a great job, but this time it just wasn't his best start. And, you know, when the team was really kind of depending on him, like, hey, you know, we need you to pitch pretty well. And it just, it didn't happen for this team, unfortunately. They didn't get the Hatcher that they usually got. And he ended up giving up those two runs in the first two innings. And those proved to be detrimental for OSU, unfortunately. Um, Oklahoma State did threaten in the ninth, but Arizona's Arizona's relief pitcher who had actually come in from left field literally right before struck out Oklahoma State's Colin Simpson to end the game. And, you know, it just proves like this College World Series proves to be wild. I mean, both Oklahoma State and TCU, all they had to do was win one more game. All they had to do was win the first game between, you know, Arizona and Coastal Carolina, respectively, and they would have made it to the College World Series finals to face off, but the Chanticleers and the Wildcats just would not let them do that, and I think that's very admirable, and that it shows the fight that, you know, they have. I think once you get to the college football playoffs, it's like you already know who's going to be in there. You know they're going to either choose you know, Alabama or Notre Dame or Clemson, Ohio State. Like you know who they're gonna choose. And if you have you if you guys have known over the past decade, the championships basically for college football, six out of ten of them have been won by Alabama. And I think the college football championship had the lowest viewers like ever. And it was probably because of the fact that it's getting kind of, kind of boring knowing that Alabama is gonna win championship after championship after championship after championship. You know what I'm saying? So if you're looking for another sport to watch where it's a little bit more dramatic than that, obviously you can wait till March Madness. But then in June, you can always tune into the NCAA tournament for baseball, and you can binge watch that. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't want to watch all the regionals and whatever, you can at least jump to the Super Regionals so you can actually see who you want to root for. But, you know, anyway, I digress. Let's finish this up. So you have the College World Series Finals. They're finally here. You have Coastal Carolina and Arizona. I believe that the best College World Series Finals are the ones that go three games. And this one proves to be absolutely wild. In game one of the College World Series, you have J.C. Clooney of the Wildcats doing his thing. He threw a complete game. I'm telling you, the pitching performances in the College World Series this year, they they are absolutely wild. But he throws a complete game. He allows no runs on four hits. He strikes out six, and he only walks three batters. The Wildcats scored early in the first inning with a single from Ryan Aguilar, and he scored Cody Raymer, which I'm not going to lie. I didn't know who those two people were before I just read their names out right now. Zach Hopek went 6.1, 6.1. He went 6 in the third innings for the Chanticleers, allowing five hits and two runs. That's not, you know, terrible. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not enough. The game was quiet basically up until the sixth inning. You had no runs getting across. The pitching was very great on both sides. But then the Wildcats scored. Um. So, actually, like I said, I just... I. Up. So they actually did score a run early in the game, like I said, but I said that the game went quiet and nobody scored anything up until the sixth inning, so I like contradicted myself, but no. The score was one to nothing at the be in the first inning. And then in the seventh inning, the Wildcats scored again and and made the score um two to nothing. Then you have the Wildcats scoring one more run off of a single from Aguilar and Aguilar is going to be a pretty big name in the College World Series finals because he was really, you know, providing those clutch hits basically for the Wildcats. And they basically win the game. Arizona wins the game three to nothing. And obviously, like I said before, Coastal Carolina eventually wins this entire thing. So obviously, Coastal is just not going to give up. And game two. Coastal Carolina wins a close game against Arizona to force basically a game three. And, you know, that's good for the game of baseball. It's very, um, very exciting for the game of baseball. You had outstanding pitching performances once again by Mike Morrison, Mike Morrison of the Wildcats and Bobby Holmes. And I think the biggest game changer is probably when they put Cameron Ming from the Wildcats into the game, and it really had a negative effect on the Arizona Wildcats because the Chanticleers um, scored a couple runs off of him, and he eventually got the loss. And, you know, he was very good in the College World Series up until this point, so... They probably, you know, have faith in him Was like, you know, he's going to go and he's going to pitch a good not pitch a good game because he came in for relief. Like he was not the starting pitcher, but um, Arizona used multiple pitchers just like Coastal Carolina and it just did not work out. You have Anthony Marks for the Chanticleers really doing his thing. It's an elimination game. I guess he knows in his mind, like, I need to do the best that I can to get on base and put some runs across. And he does just that. He goes three for four on the day. Bobby Dalbeck at the beginning of the at the beginning of the day really just jump starts the offense for basically the entire game. He starts the scoring with an RBI single and he advances his teammates Aguilar and he scored and Zach Gibbon scores off of his RBI single. So now the score is one and one to nothing. In the third inning, the Chanticleers score two runs in the third off of a single and another unearned run. So that's going on, so now it's 2-1 to one at the end of the third inning. In the fifth inning, you have Aguilar reaching on a fielder's choice, and you have Cody Raymer scoring as well, so now the score, and this is Aguilar and Raymer for the Wildcats, so now the score is 2-2. Two to two. In the eighth inning, the Chanticleers open up the game with three runs, scoring off of singles. So now the score is five to two. The Wildcats try to answer with two runs in the eighth inning and the score is five to four, but it's not enough and the Chanticleers end up winning the game five to four. In game three... The Chanticleers do it, they win the championship, and I would be extremely happy and exciting if it wasn't nine o'clock at night and I had not spent the entire day recording this podcast, but I am 100% excited for this team, and I really am glad that they won. This is their first championship ever. This is their first championship in any sport, and Coastal should be proud, and they should rep this trophy for the rest of their lives because this is absolutely amazing. The sixth inning is really the catalyst for the Chanticleers basically winning everything. They capitalize off of errors in the sixth inning to score all four of their runs and win the championship. The game is relatively quiet. You have Andrew Beckwith and Bobby Dalbeck being absolutely dominant. And, you know, as you know, I mean, Dalbeck, I'm telling you, he would have been the most outstanding player had the um, Cardinals, I'm not Cardinals, oh my God, I've said that twice, but had the Wildcats actually won the World Series. So basically, Zach Vermilliard and David Parex of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, they score off of two errors made on the same play. And that play is probably what really digs Arizona into a hole that they can't get out of. Like, this was supposed to be, you know, their thing. I Well, not their thing. That's a weird thing to say. This was supposed to be... um you know, their championship to win, you know, because they won one, uh, you know, four years ago. And, you know, they clearly probably put more funds into their baseball team and more kind of everything into it. And, you know, I really thought they had it in game one. They just looked to be really dominant, but you just cannot can't count on a team like Coastal Carolina. So, J.K. Young for the Chanticleers extends the lead with a two-run homer to make the score 4 to nothing, and that's how they score all of their runs in the sixth inning. Honestly, Bobby Dalbick, like, it just, that proved to be basically an outing that he would probably rather forget, but, you know, throughout the entire College World Series, he was definitely the most needed player on that Arizona Wildcats team, I'll give him that, and maybe Aguilar as well, but definitely Bobby Dalbick. And In the ninth inning, the Wildcats cut the lead to only one run with a fly ball by Gibbons that scores Lewis Boyd, but unfortunately, it's not enough, so they kind of went, they scored a, no, the Wildcats also scored in the sixth inning as well, so now the score is four to two. They scored two runs in the sixth inning, and then they tried to score one more in the ninth, and it just wasn't enough. At the end of the game, during the press conference, Gary Gilmore said that they were not the most talented team. And for me, it just couldn't be further from the truth. This was one of the most talented teams, you know, because they were talented enough to be able to strategize and you know, talented enough to kind of harness in those skills where it was like making the double plays that they needed to make, making sure they didn't make errors that they made in previous games, maybe like the first time they played TCU. And then it was being able to strategize and play small ball, but to also be able to really use the long ball as well. This was a very talented team. And I think if you win the College World Series, which you can say this is a popular opinion or non-popular popular opinion all you want, I think that although Gary Gilmore wants to be humble and say that they were not the most talented team, I think they were the most talented team. Because being the most talented team does not mean that half of the people on your team are like first, second, and third team All-Americans. It doesn't mean that your guys are getting picked in the first round of the MLB draft. It doesn't mean that your guys are... (sighs) golden spikes award winners and stuff like that talent you know for me is a lot it has a lot to do with heart and all the talent in the world quote-unquote talent that people like to call talent and what they associate talent with it's not going to get you to that point of winning a college world series championship because we can think of a lot of teams that didn't have quote-unquote the talent I mean you could look at a Wichita state I mean what have you said that about Wichita State? you know what I'm saying back in 1989 so basically I guess what I'm trying to say is that talent is has more to do with skill it has more to do with prowess it's more than that it's about having heart it's about having good worth ethic and that all basically kind of ties in for me for talent so that's basically, The 2016 NCAA Division I Baseball Tournament. I cannot wait to do a 2018 college baseball tournament. I'm going to do that definitely the next Friday, but definitely an episode is coming out this Friday. That's not going away. I'm definitely coming out with an episode um, this Friday. And then also... (sighs) It's just, I'm going to do the 2019 after the 2018 one as well. And I'm just really excited. I'm just hella excited for college baseball. Follow me on Instagram at the rubber match. Follow me on Twitter at v.rubber.match. And that's all lowercase. And same thing for my Instagram, it's all lowercase. And then for TikTok, which I have not posted a TikTok in like three days. But. That is also just the rubber match. It's spelled the exact way as my Instagram. I'm going to post articles for the AL East, the 10 hottest guys for the AL East, and probably the AL Central, and probably also the AL West. And then in a couple days, I'm going to do the whole National League. And then I'm going to post my top... I said top 50, but I'm not going to do top 50. I'm probably going to do like top... It's going to be a weird number. Probably like top 18. That's not top 18. Maybe top 12. I think we're going to do top 12 because it's two divisions. And the, well you got two conferences and then you got three divisions in each conference. So it's like it kind of works. Maybe 12. Because that's like two guys from each division. And then two times six is 12. So I'm going to do that. If you guys have made it this far, I commend you because I don't know how you did it. I am like tired. I need to go to bed and I am going to go to bed. And so I'm going to go to bed. I will catch you guys on the next episode coming up in the next couple of days. And I will see you guys later. I don't know if this will be on Spotify or Anchor. I mean, I don't know if this will be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but if it isn't, download anchor i will make sure to let you guys know that in my social media and if you don't want to wait if you don't want to download anchor i guess you're gonna have to wait until it's available on spotify or apple but we'll see about that but anyway i will catch you guys later bye